1: Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring healthcare leaders. Visit us at outcomesrocket.health slash reviews to leave a rating and review for today's podcast because we have an outstanding guest once again. His name is Dr. Peter Chai. He practices emergency medicine and medical toxicology at Brigham and Women's Hospital. Peter has done a lot of research to develop and work with digital health innovations from ingestible sensors to measure medication adherence, real-time behavioral interventions to respond to disease, wearable telemedicine, and sensorless detection of biometrics. He's done quite a bit, has a lot of publications, and I'm so privileged to have him here on the podcast. Peter, welcome today.
0: Thanks all for having me.
1: It's always a pleasure to have a talented man like yourself that's uh, into the the future of medicine and wanting to make things more efficient. What got you in the medicine to begin with, Peter?
0: I was kind of always interested in the kind of human aspects of health and uh, throughout college and um, I also did a master's. A lot of my interest was in how you can really design different aspects of health to improve the way that patients and physicians interact with each other. And so a lot of my very early work when I was um, at Brown, we worked a lot on the basic science and looking at how to design better petri dishes for cell culture. And kind of from that experience, I learned that, you know, the design is is a new, relatively new thing within medicine and also very important in developing these new interfaces. And given our digital health revolution, the increasing use of smartphones, wearable devices and all this there's a real opportunity for us as physicians to really start to innovate in this area. So that's really what got me into medicine and the work that we're doing right now.
1: That's fascinating. And the design aspect was the magnet that got you in. And, and now you're you're full force going at it. What do you think today, Peter, is a hot topic that should be on every medical leader's agenda? And what are you guys doing to address it?
0: So I think from a digital health perspective, the hot topic is really how to Implement and operationalize things. So, you know, there, there's so much hmm. research and there's so many new technologies and devices out there. But then you look at kind of the healthcare landscape and what we actually do with patients in kind of the day-to-day clinical setting, and you notice that we don't really use that much digital health. There might be right. the sporadic insurance group that is using a Fitbit to track kind of movement and health among large populations, or you know, there's kind of nascent telemedicine. But if you look across the broad scheme of things, no one's really starting to implement. And so a lot of we're working on, so we, we kind of work on two angles. One is how do you take these kind of innovative new topics that we know were, and how do you scale them to a larger hospital? So for example, like our organization. And then the other part is how do we look into the future so we don't stop at the cool new Fitbit, but let's look at the thing that's going to be popular in the next five to 10 years. Let's get the physician and a patient perspective on it now and so we can start to build that. So when our system is ready to accept something like that, we've got the know-how and the technology to do so.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. And so are you, are you still at the bedside or are you mainly focused on these technologies and implementation? Of um,
0: we're both. So okay. I work awesome. clinically as a physician. So, so no, we're, we're at the bedside every day here. Yeah.
1: That's outstanding. Yeah. And you know, the challenge of implementation, the technology is there, but it's implementing it into the system that that is the challenge. What advice would you give to both companies and also providers wanting to get technology to make things better? Uh, What advice would you give them to help them do it more successfully? So from a
0: provider aspect, so, you know, I'm a provider myself. I think the important thing is to have an open mind. I think physicians are, where a lot of us are trained to say no to a lot of things. You know, like there's no evidence for that, or this can't work. And it's it's kind of refreshing when you work with these startups and um, engineers. And when you ask the engineers the same question about, you know, could this work? Their answer is never no. It, you know, let's think of a way to do it. You know, it might not be perfect, <laughs> but there's going to be a way someday to do it. And I think. The ability to kind of have that kind of foresight and the willingness to work with something that is imperfect is really important for the provider aspect. From a company perspective, the thing that we've really been trying to push is it really takes investment. You can't, digital health is not cheap right. and our effort doesn't come to free. We're trying to do the best we can for our patients, but there's so many limits in terms of clinical time, research funding and all this stuff that I think the most successful companies that I've worked with are the ones that really get that. And are willing to, for the sake of it, you know, put some skin in the game and really work hard with provider champion, I guess, to kind of get things rolling.
1: Peter, give us an example of how you or the organization you're with have created results by thinking and doing things differently. Sure. So
0: I'll tell you about a project that we're in the middle of right now. Five or six months ago, we started working with a company named Visible, who is reprovisioning Amazon Dash buttons for hospital so, um, you know, That's they cool. have the dash button you put on your refrigerator, yeah. press the button and the orders smell from Amazon. Yeah. Well, we've kind of pivoted the idea to, you know, how could we streamline the hospital operations using just in time notifications with a simple button? So we're working through a various amount of systems with our housekeepers in terms of doing things that are simple and kind of you would think mundane, like cleaning the restrooms in a hospital is a big task in itself to turning over beds so that we can see more patients more efficiently and decrease the patient wait time. So Mm -hmm. the company, very excited and very, very innovative and helpful with us. We got a pilot undergoing in about three months. We got some interesting results that we're still gathering data for, but we're almost ready to take the next step already. So it's really kind of the synergy between a company and Kind of a forward-thinking healthcare system like ours that really been a catalyst for all of this.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting, and I think it's these process innovations, Peter. You know, obviously you, as well as you know, Brigham and Women's, is definitely forward-thinking and open to these things. And I think the number of systems starting to be more open to process improvement, like you guys are, is increasing. For example, I, I was out of healthcare. we we were doing a refinance on the house and. We've refinanced with PNC Bank, and then we recently refinanced with Quicken Loans. Have you ever used Quicken Loans? Yeah, for my taxes once. Oh my gosh. So when you do the refinance through them, everything is e-sign. Everything is just so fast. It happens in like, I don't know, like literally like two weeks compared to like the three months (laughs) that it took with a traditional Mm -hmm. bank. And so I envision what you guys are doing, like the Quicken Loans, you know, for process improvement that will help outcomes. And that's really exciting.
0: Yeah. It's super exciting to be kind of in the thick of it because you you like one day you literally like walking into a bathroom with um, some Gorilla Glue and sticking things on the wall and the next day and, you know, looking at outcomes and talking <laughs> yeah. about dynamic staffing models with hospital leadership.
1: So. Oh, man. Yeah, that is so, so interesting. And I'm excited to hear how that turns out. When are you guys expecting to, to finish the project?
0: I think we have about three three more months or so. Awesome. So we're, um, we're working on a few publications that hopefully will be coming out and some abstracts that there's going to be, I think, one at HIM, the HIMSS conference oh, this year. So Yeah. Awesome. We'll have some
1: stuff. Well, at the end, uh, when you're done, maybe we'll we'll have you back on to chat with us about what you guys found. That would be really interesting. Sure. So share with us a, a mistake or, or a setback that you guys have had while trying to make things better and what you learned from it, more importantly.
0: I guess from a digital health perspective, one of the setbacks that we've had before is really trying hard, but then, you know, having the project fail in itself. And You know, that in itself is a kind of a learning opportunity. So we're thinking about working with a small uh, startup on using a novel device to kind of get real-time patient lab data. And a lot of the work was spent kind of writing proposals and doing all this stuff. And I think the problem that we didn't think about is we didn't have the foresight to realize that, you know, a lot of this. Investment in doing even a small pilot study is a, is a lot of work and kind of we were, we we're in the thick of it for about a year before we realized, wow. you no, know, we're doing a lot of work and yeah, nothing's getting done. Why well, is nothing getting done? Oh, we forgot about the budgetary aspects of it. And, mm. you know, nobody had funding to have it go, through, have it, have it thing work. So the project kind of fell through and then a standstill. So I think at least for me, we learned that this is kind of a real time demonstration of invest time, but somebody's got to invest in resources within a project to really have it work.
1: yeah, it's such a great call out. I mean, how many times have we listeners gotten started with something only to find out that there was a missing piece of the puzzle, whether it be buy-in from a clinician or resources like the computer was just saying. And I think this learning that Peter's sharing with us is so important to resurrect and to be reminded that we're working in a complex system. We got to analyze the depth and the breadth of what it's going to take and not go forward until we have a full picture of what it's going to take. And sometimes we could get so excited, right? I'm sure your idea was so exciting, right, Peter? You you just wanted to go for it. Yeah. And
0: sometimes, you know, it does, it does pay to kind of take a step back or, you know, I think the other thing that people are so worried about is not having an NDA in place and divulging some of the cool stuff about a new technology. But, you know, I almost feel like the ability to, when we've been most successful is we take this concept and we ask one of our colleagues who completely does not work in that space and we say, what do you think about this? And that kind of insight from somebody who is kind of divorced from the entire idea Yes is not invested in it is actually really helpful because they, they're the best ones at poking holes in, in the concept and I'd rather know those holes early than when we're about to start.
1: Ah, such great, great, great words of wisdom there, Peter. And listeners definitely take these into consideration. What would you say one of your proudest leadership moments in, in medicine is?
0: I think probably one of our proudest moments was when I was a, a resident I did my residency at Brown in emergency medicine in I think two thousand twelve. Google Glass just came out. And we got really excited as a department about, could we really use this to become the next generation in telemedicine? And this was a kind of probably about a six-month-long project where we really took Google Glass. We became an explorer in their uh, early explorer program. We took the technology. We worked with a great startup that was Super responsive to our needs, and we worked together and built a wearable telemedicine program for dermatology in our emergency department, based on really a new wearable device, new video streaming. We learned about all the technology and the infrastructure support you need to build, bring in something like this in a hospital. Like you know, no one in our hospital knew what to do with wearable smart glasses. You know, where, what category does that fit in within a yeah. IT and a information security standpoint? So. It took us a good long six months of going through all these regulatory bodies, but we're able to do a pilot study. Uh, we got published in JAMA, so it was really that was really proud achievement for us. And I think that was one of our first real big successes within digital health.
1: That's so awesome. And thanks for sharing that story. It's that vision, Peter. You obviously got a vision, right? I mean, you're in this for the long haul, and I read recently that it's Warren Buffett even. It took him nine years to become a millionaire. And oftentimes people just look at folks like Warren Buffett or, you know, successes that are had, like the one you experienced with this project in the ER and they look, oh, wow, you know, it happened overnight. But the reality is it happens over a long period of time. And Peter and his team took a while to get this done. And the same for our system. You know, it's these small wins that if we continue having, we will transform the system. Wouldn't you agree, Peter?
0: Yeah, that's a great point. It's it's really those little kind of small steps. And you know, as a emergency physician, I'm probably the worst at that because you know we (laughs) we we live in the moment and we live in (laughs) emergency care. So when people are like, "Well, it's gonna take us like four months for you know us to go to our CIO to make sure it works," I just cry a little bit inside. oh, Uh, Oh my gosh! But then you realize you like you look back and you're like, "Wow, that was like five years ago we started that, and look where we are now." And it it really I think for people who are just starting. You can tell them anything you want about, you know, how exciting it is and how much progress we've made over the past you know decade or so. But you really don't see it at the very beginning. And it's really, you know, you really start to appreciate the shoulders of all these people that you're standing on once you kind of move forward a little bit.
1: Totally. Yeah, that's such a great point. And Pierre, keep doing what you're doing. Every project that you take it's iterations on the previous years that you've been working on this. And I just encourage you to keep doing what you're doing because it's so awesome. And I bet like 10 years from now, you're just going to not stumble, but finally get into something that really just pivots and changes things for the entire industry, not just your, your IDN. I mean, you've definitely been doing a lot for your IDN, but just the way I see you developing and the way that I see you doing things, you're going to be doing some cool stuff, man. So keep, keep at it, my friend.
0: We prefer to call it badass, but it's,
1: it's, it's. <laughs> hey, badass is good. I like badass. <laughs> hey, so uh, tell us a little bit uh, about a project that you're working on today.
0: Sure. So uh, one of the things that we're really interested in is medication adherence. So we've been doing some work on ingestible biosensors. So these are off-the-shelf gelatin capsules. They use a little 3D printed circuit with a radio frequency emitter attached to it, and the kind of magic in it is that you can compound it or over encapsulate any kind of drug that you want to study with it using standard pill filling machines that most all pharmacies have. So when patients ingest these medications, stomach acid dissolves gel capsule like any other gel capsule medication that's out there. And the chloride ions in your stomach actually activate active power and activate this radio frequency emitter, hmm. and we take that signal up with a reader that the patient wears. Hmm. So you get real time direct measures of medication ingestion. That's something we've never been able to do before. So if you look at kind of directly direct measures of adherence before this digital pill technology, it's really a nurse going to someone's house and watching somebody take their medication, right it's mm-hmm. directly observe therapy. So this takes this transforms really how we think about adherence. So one of our interests, I'm also a medical toxicologist, so a lot of my work is in patients with substance use disorder, and especially those with high risk for HIV, since that's a high priority and high risk population that we have in the US. So we're about to start a study here in Boston looking at how patients who are at risk for HIV take pre-exposure prophylaxis. So there's a pre-exposure prophylaxis drug, Truvada, that actually, if taken daily, can prevent HIV in high-risk people who you, you might get high and use drugs and forget and do something risky and get infected. So this is a really good prevention method that really relies on adherence. And so how do you get somebody who doesn't really care about their health, who mm-hmm. is going to have a disruptive and unstructured life to take their medications every day on time? And I think this digital pill technology will help us because we're going to do, so we've, we're developing a study where we give patients digital pills, we watch them how they take medications in real time. And the really cool part is that, you know, now that we can detect non-adherence, if you miss a dose, that means that we can start to push interventions to people in real time in response. So yes. we don't have to wait for people to show up to their doctor's office anymore. You know what? Everyone's got a smartphone. Let's start delivering health at the moment that poor health occurs. So we're hopefully gonna start soon looking at this project using digital pills and um pre exposure prophylaxis.
1: That is super interesting and and a project that I think will definitely tackle a, a big problem and what we're dealing with, you know, in, in any population with the elderly population, you know, a lot of them are aging and a lot of them have mental illnesses. How do you keep track of all this, right? So, I think, yeah, it's a really, really interesting idea. So, as you guys move forward with that, definitely maybe when we get the update on the other project, we could hear a little bit more. I know listeners, you're probably like, oh, this is so cool. And so, we'll get an update. Don't worry. As long as Peter's up for it, we'll get an update for you. Yeah, we're totally up for it. Awesome. So Peter, getting to the end here, this has been a lot of fun. Let's pretend you and I are building a medical leadership course on what it takes to be successful in medicine. It's the 101 of Dr. Peter Chai. And so we're going to build a syllabus. I got four questions for you that we'll do lightning round style, and then we'll finish it with podcasts that you recommend Hmm. to the listeners. So you ready for it? Let's do it. All right. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? like patience. What is the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid?
0: Forgetting that it's just you. There's more stakeholders than you expect to be involved.
1: How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change?
0: You look to the future. Always 10 years into the future. Don't, don't be okay with the cool things that are happening now.
1: What is one area of focus that should drive everything else in your organization?
0: Integration of technology, digital health, and data streams.
1: And what book would you recommend to the listeners? Or what podcast? Good question. Well, the Rocket Podcast is pretty cool.
0: Um, (laughs) From an entertainment perspective, there's a uh, medical toxicology podcast that tackles kind of tox dilemmas within all across the world called The Fantastic Mr. Tox Show, which I highly recommend.
1: Very cool. Very cool. The fantastic Mr. Talks show? The Dan-tastic. Dan is one of the people that does it. Got it. The Dan-tastic. There you have it. So listeners, you've got the podcast that you'll see in the show notes. We'll provide a link to that as well as the syllabus that we just crafted here for you with Peter and also the show notes for the entire uh, show that we just discussed here. Just go to outcomesrocket.health/chai. That's C-H-A-I. And you'll be able to find all that there. So, Peter, before we conclude, I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you or follow you.
0: In terms of closing thoughts, I think we are all kind of at this amazing point in healthcare where we have the opportunity to really change the way in which we deliver health. So there's no idea that's too stupid or too far out there. I see my share of things that people think are crazy that are now clinical practice. So don't be afraid and go forward. Best way to get in touch with me is probably either on Twitter or via my email, which uh, I think will probably be provided in, in the link somewhere, right?
1: Yeah. All right. Well, there you have it, listeners. Thank you so much, Peter, for spending time with us today. I think it, it'll definitely be interesting for us to digest all the nuggets of wisdom you provided and uh, looking forward to having you back on.
0: Thanks. Thanks for having me.